There are many different ways that he's speaking to us. One is uh, through his word, obviously. Another is through the hearts of his people. Another is just through nature. I mean, there are so many things around us. If we just stop and settle everything else, then we can hear him. You know? and, and so that's something that uh, takes some effort sometimes, doesn't it? To be honest, sometimes it takes some effort, right? Because our minds are racing and everything is right in front of us. But Yahweh is calling us back to the things that he's desiring, to the things that is important for us to know and understand. One of these things which we see uh, through the Torah, through the Brit Hadashah, and as well as our lives today, is pre- preparing a place. Preparation. You know, we, we look through the history and we see when they came out of Mitzrayim, they came to the mountain. Now, when they came to the mountain, what, was the, what did Yahweh tell them to do? Prepare them. Prepare your hearts. Prepare yourselves. Get ready. Remember, he says, in three days, I'm going to come down there. I'm going to meet with you, right? And what happened with the people? People said, okay, three days. Yes, Yahweh's going to meet with us. And Yahweh came down there, and they're like, we ain't ready. (laughs) We need to prepare our hearts. Because if we don't prepare our hearts, then when he starts telling us his heart, we're not going to receive it in the way that he's giving it. We're going to constantly be trying to withdraw and to try to back away from him when he's trying to pull us closer. He's trying to pull us closer into his presence, right? That's the thing we see in the scripture, right? It's like, so Yahweh's on the mountain, much like when he started to inhabit the tabernacle. And the presence of Yahweh was there in the tabernacle, but no one could enter in. That wasn't the point, was it? The purpose of the tabernacle being there was so that people could be in his presence. So so there are some things that had to happen. There's some things that we need to stop and seek the Father's heart in the midst of it. In other words, Yahweh says he's going to do this great work in our midst, but he needs us to submit ourselves to do it. That he needs us to be willing to do what needs. Scripture says you're living stones, doesn't it? For living stones, what are we trying to build? You know, notice we're not bricks, right? What, what was used for bricks? Right? They made bricks in Egypt, right? <coughs> Excuse me, they made, they made bricks, you know, and, and each brick looks the same. The stones, this is something that was given for us so that we could come together as Yahweh intended for us to and build something that glorifies and honors him. Uncut stones were used to build an altar to Yahweh. Why uncut stones? Because Yahweh says, if you take a tool to these stones, then you're going to profane them. You're going to make them look like you think they should look and know they need to be the way I created them. And we need to take these stones and put them together to build something. So we can be used to build an altar. We can be used to build, let me put it this way, a mishkan, a place for him to dwell. So how do we do that? How do we prepare a place for him to dwell, right? So let's take a look at some things. You ready? All right. First off, let's understand this, that the natural teaches us about the spiritual. Before we can understand spiritual concepts, we kind of have to look at some things in natural to, to get a good grasp of it. I've said this a lot recently, but it's a very good point. You know, I like how Brad Scott used to put it. Before we can say that the dove is a symbol for the Holy Spirit, we first have to say, what's a dove? So we, we look to the natural to understand spiritual concepts, spiritual things, right? Rav Shaul said, what come first, the natural or the spiritual? You were born... And then you were born again, right? Which came first, the natural man. So again, we're learning things in the natural to learn the spiritual things the Father is wanting for us. He showed us how to build a tabernacle. Mishkan from the word shechan. You may have heard the word shekinah, the Hebrew shekinah. That means his dwelling presence, right? Shekhan is to dwell. So a mishkan is a dwelling place. So that could be the tabernacle. It could be you. It should be you, right? So are we preparing the place for him to dwell? He wanted the people of Israel, says, build me a sanctuary that I may dwell among you, that I may live among you. And we know, as we've studied, it's not just, I want to live next door. 
says, I want to live in you. I want to be in the very midst of you. And he lived through us. And so how do we do that? We prepare ourselves. We prepare our hearts. He draws us to him, but we have to come in to enter into that covenant. Let's not forget, guys, when Israel came to that mountain, Yahweh says that he had already redeemed them. He says when he brought them out of Mitzrayim, that was an act of redemption. He brought them out. He brought them, you know, the, the, the Pesach, the blood, the lamb. He brought them out. Then he brought them through the water, symbolizing a mikvah or baptism, if that's the term you know, right? Brought them out. Then brought them to the mountain to reveal himself and his word by his Ruach HaKodesh. He gave us his word to show us how to continue and live in his presence and carry his presence with us wherever we go. And so if we're redeemed, now what? You know, it's not like, so I'm redeemed and now I just get to go do whatever and just continue to live my life the way that I want. No, you have to learn his ways. And as you're learning his ways, you might be tearing down some old walls that you were familiar with. You might be tearing down the old life. You might be tearing down the old understanding of things. And as we come uh, come to be with him, he's going to continue to build now. You know, if the foundation of our life is is bad, then what you build on, it's eventually going to fall. But if the foundation is sure, what happens to what you build on it? It's going to be solid, right? So we have to make sure that the foundation of our hearts is submitted to Yahweh and let him do the building. Let him do the rest, okay? So let's take a look at a few things here. John 15, verses 4 through 11. He says, Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. For those who are like, so what's he talking about? There he is. I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide, he is thrown away like the branch and withers and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Notice how people have taken this verse right here out of context in so many places right? Well, ask whatever you want and you'll get it, right? Notice first off, there's a requirement for that. The requirement is abide in me, which means listen to me, be his disciple, do as he instructs, learn his ways, learn to have your heart submitted to his heart. Guess what? If we truly do that, then the things that we're asking for are going to be what he wants anyway. It's not going to be the things, uh, we're not going to be acting selfishly. We're going to be asking things that Yahweh wants, right? Let's keep going. Verse 8. This my father is glorified. By what is he glorified? You fruit, that you bear much fruit and prove to be my disciple. As the father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. Verse 10 says, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. So these things I have spoken to you that my what? My joy may be in you. Joy may be full. So here's the thing. He says, if you're abiding in me, you're going to listen to what I say. Essentially, he says, if you abide in me, you're going to keep my commandments. You're going to abide in my love and abide in the Father's love. We're going to this beautiful relationship, but you're going to keep my commandments and that's going to be joy. Notice he didn't say you're going to keep my commandments so that'll be a burden to you and you're always going to be depressed. No, if we're loving Yahweh, the words that he is giving us are words of life, the words of hope, the words of joy, the words to keep us on the path so we don't fall in the ditch. I mean, how do you guys enjoy rolling around in muddy ditches? I don't know anybody, right? So we need to stay on the road. How do we stay on the road? (laughs) Keep his word. Keep his word. Your word is a lamp to my feet, a light to my path, right? Sometimes we're like, but I can't see the road and I don't understand where I'm going. I don't know how to do this. It's very simple. We tend to overcomplicate it and make it more than it needs to be. Very first and foremost, take a step. Oh, it can't be that easy. It is. It really is. 
Because guess what? A lamp gives you just enough, I mean, especially think of back in these days, guys, a little oil lamp you're holding. I mean, come on, how much light are you going to get, right? It's not like today you have like a, a car light turning on and you can see three miles down the road from these bright, from these nuclear lights coming at you, right? No. So here, you might just have enough to take the next step. And that's all the faith that's required of you. Honestly, that's all the faith that's required of you, just to take the next step. If you take the next step, wonderful. Now there's another one. And sometimes we get like that deer in the headlights thing, don't we? We can look in the road and we can see all this and we're like, he's not asking you to do that. He's asking you to take a step. And that's what we need to learn. That's how we do this. How do we prepare a place for Yahweh to dwell? Take the next step. What is the next step? Learn his heart. How do we learn his heart? Open the book. Open the book. That's, he showed us his heart. He revealed his heart to us by giving us his word. How do we do that? How do we learn to walk in that? Just take it one at a time. Just take it one at a time. Stone by stone. Think about this, guys. I mean, the, if you go to Israel and you see the, the, the Western Wall, those are huge stones. Okay? We're not talking about We're talking about stone by stone. All different shapes and sizes. Some could be this big. Just take the next, right? That's what the Father's asking. And as, as we do that, if we're living stones, He's going to start bringing us together. And if we start doing that, then He's going to start putting us together in uniformity and how He desires for it. He's going to build what He wants, not what we want, right? Yeah, how many of you guys struggle with that? When, when Yahweh is doing something in your life, you're like, but that's not the way it's supposed to be, God. Oh, come on. I know I'm not the only one. I've done it, right? You're like, God, what are you doing? I don't get it. He's like, it's all right. It's all right. Just take the next step. Like, but if I take the next step, I'm going to fall. It's all right. I'm there too. <laughs> kind of like when they, were at the, when they were at the sea with their back against the wall. But if I go in the water, I can't swim. That's okay. Really? That's, what do you mean that's okay? Right? If you recall, this is what was going on because the people complained to Moses. Moses standing there says, be still and you will see the salvation of your God. You will see how he's going to deliver you today. And then he goes, God, what are you doing? And God's like, what are you complaining to me for? It's there. He says it. He says, what do you want from me? I didn't tell you to stop. Keep going. And sometimes the Father could just be asking for us to do that. Just take the next. How do we become living stones? Follow him. Because he's going to fashion that stone, you, how he desires it for it to be. He's going to take his chisel and put it to you and knock off the things that don't need to be. Okay? That's not our place to do that with one another. If we start trying to chisel one another, we're going to start making idols. It's true, right? If we start trying to, no, I don't like this way. I'm going to make you like this. <laughs> Careful, you're going to start making idols. Okay, we, got this, we need to be as Yahweh's created us, but we need, again, when we need to repent, we need to repent. When we need to go on, we need to go on. We need to hear his voice, but we need to be willing to submit to them. Okay? And he will use uh, us and his people. To do. So let's keep going. What is the purpose of our gathering together? To hear me, Babylon? God forbid, right? I'm not that entertaining. <laughs> All right, here's the thing. The purpose of our gathering together is to, is to be a people to glorify the Father. We're here together to study, to learn, to encourage, to equip, to edify, um, to bring correction. Yeah, that's the thing that nobody likes, right? But it's there. That's what we're here for, to help keep us on the path and whatever that looks like from week to week. That's what we're here for, so that we're continually honoring the Father in the midst of it. We see a couple of things here, like Shavayichel. Uh, and he gathered, right? And be gathering together. And uh, we see different types of gatherings that we have in the scripture. First off, in Exodus 32, the people gathered together to Aaron. And they're like, Aaron, get up and, and, and make us a calf, essentially. You know, make us gods to go before us. But in Exodus 35, it says, these are the words that Yahweh has commanded that you should do them. And what is it? To gather. Moses assembled the people together 
And, and he gathered them together to explain the heart of the Father to them. And the first thing he said, gather together, we're going to talk about building the tabernacle, we're going to talk about how he has a place to dwell among you. And the first thing he said to, the, to them was Shabbat. We're going to gather together and see how Yahweh wants to build a place to dwell among you. By the way, before we start the actual construction, let's talk about Shabbat. See that? So what does that tell you? How do we prepare a place for him to dwell? Let's go, let's do it. Stop. It's like, hurry up, wait. Stop. Refocus. Glad that you're excited. We need to be. We need some excitement. We need some fire. But refocus before you end up hurting yourself and hurting somebody else. Refocus. Follow him, right? Okay. So again, is our purpose to follow our own instincts, our own ways, our own agendas, creating ways to prove ourselves right? Or is it to gather to develop a heart of obedience to the God of the Scripture so that we become a royal priesthood of the holy nation? See that? What is the purpose of our gathering? Are we gathering together so that we can say or feel smug because we're doing it the right way? Can I be 100% honest with you? Ain't nobody doing it. But we follow the heart of the Father. As we learn, right? As we seek Him, as He reveals Himself to us, we, and that's a continual process. What did the disciples say? Remember, the, uh, the people were coming to faith in Yahweh, and they, they weren't Israel. They were coming to faith, but they wanted to serve the one true God. They wanted to serve the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, but they didn't know how. So they were causing problems. Let's just, that's an understatement, but let's just put it that way. They were causing problems. So what did the disciples, Yeshua's disciples, write that we should do with these new people who don't know anything about Yahweh, don't know anything about Israel, but they have come to know he is the one true God and want to serve him. What do we do with them? Let me put it back to you this way. How many have ever heard of a new converts class, right? <laughs> back, in, back in church days, right? Guys, essentially, that's what this is. Okay? This is, what do we do with these people who don't know anything about God, but they want to serve Him? How do we do that? How do we teach them? How do we approach them? And what was given to them? Here it is. This is the kindergarten of the faith for us. Okay? So what is it? Acts 15, 19 to 21. That we should not trouble uh, the Gentiles who turn to God, but should write them to, one, abstain from things polluted by idols, to don't eat food given to idols or, or, or idolatry, right? Abstain from sexual immorality, and from what has been strangled, that's an issue of kosher, guys. To not eat the blood, to not partake of these things, of, 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 of killing an animal properly. And from blood, don't eat the blood, right? And then the, the fifth one is always forgotten. What does it say? And from ancient generations, Moshe has had in every city those who proclaim him, for he has read every Shabbat on the synagogue. What does that say? Go to the synagogue on Shabbat to hear the Torah. That's what, that's what we're supposed to be doing. So they were to gather together in the synagogues, and, and you could say, well, but they gathered in the homes. Yes, they did. But they also gathered at the temple to bring their offerings. And they also gathered in the homes for study and, and, and fellowship and edification there as well. Not one of these things was taking the place of the other. They were all done in conjunction. And so what's happening here is it says, tell them to go to the synagogue on Shabbat to hear the Torah taught. And that's a week-by-week, day-by-day, step-by-step process. That's all it is. So how do we learn? Very simple, stay in the book. As you read it, you're going to learn. And as we go through it year by year, you're going to see things this year you didn't see last year. You're going to see things now that you didn't see five years ago. You're going to see things next year you didn't see now. Because as we learn, we change, and then we start to see some other things, right? Okay, so how do we do that? How do we prepare our hearts? First Peter puts it this way. First Peter 1.13. Brace your minds for action. Keep what? Keep your balance. Is that what he's talking about? I'm actually thankful I could. <laughs> I don't have the best balance. But he says, he says, keep your balance. What does that mean? That means when we start to see things, 
sometimes before we really get in to find out what it's really saying, we're off like a rocket. And we don't, we don't really stop to, to grasp what it is we're reading. And then we start filling in the blanks with these ideas. And then by the time we're done, we come up with some kind of theology that's way off base. Look what God has shown me. Now, just because you had a thought doesn't mean it was God. Just because you started with Scripture doesn't mean you ended there. <laughs> okay? This is why we need each other. Right? This is why we need the community. This is why we need to make sure we're following as Ruach. This is why we need all of this together. Okay? So again, this is this balance in the Scripture. We're here as a community of people to help keep each other in balance. Right? Think about this. We need excitement. We need zeal. But zeal without knowledge hurts people. It's great to be excited. We need it. But if you get someone who's excited but forgets things they need to know, someone's going to get hurt. Like example, two-year-old gets excited about bolting out the front door, running down the middle of the street. That could be awesome. We get so excited, we don't pay any attention to anything else that's going on around us. And we're going to end up getting hurt. So we need to be careful, right? Again, proving together. All right, so again, verse 13. So get... Get your minds for action. Keep balance. Set your hope completely on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Yeshua the Messiah. Like, what's verse 14 say? What kind of children? Yeah, obedient children. Do not be shaped by the cravings you had formerly in your ignorance. Before you knew better, you wanted these things. You didn't see anything wrong with it. But when God's word says, no, that's, that's not what I want for you, and that's not good, or you shouldn't be doing that, those are the former things. God wants us to change. He loves you to meet you where you're at. But he loves you so much to not keep you. He wants to draw you into his presence. He says you're a holy people because he makes you holy. But now we have to learn how to live like that. Okay, Verse 15. Instead, just like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves also in everything you do. For it is written, Kedoshim, you shall be, for I am Kadosh. He is holy, therefore we are holy. It's not like we can do anything to make ourselves more holy. How many of you have heard, uh, oh, so you're trying to keep the Torah, you're trying to, be, to make yourself holy, you know, a works-based gospel? Not at all. I don't do anything in the Torah to try to earn anything from God, but I keep to follow his word because I'm his, because he is holy, because he says I am a holy part of a holy people, I am a holy person, I learn his way, right? So that way, that's what we're doing. Colossians 3.2 says this, focus your mind on things where? Above, not on things on the earth, Right? Now, again, let me address this balance really quick. <laughs> because we've known people so, so focused on the things above that they wouldn't do their laundry unless God told them to do it. They wouldn't, they wouldn't do any dishes unless God told them to do it. Would stand there in front of the closet. What does God want me to wear today? I can fill in the blank. Clothes. Yeah, I mean, you know, and, and, and there's so much in the scripture, uh, you know, talking about, you know, clean and, and, and be clean and mikvah and all these things. You know, there, there are things that he wants us to do that he doesn't have to put in the book for us, you know, but we need to learn to do this. So, so focus your mind on things above. You know, I know this as well, where some people have said, God just wants me to just pray all day and do nothing else. Okay, maybe he has called you to pray all day, but you still got a job to do, don't you? You still got to eat. You still got a family, right? And so you got to live. This is what you're called to do. If, if you have a family, you're called to help support the family. So again, these are things that we're looking at. Focus your mind on things that are above includes how do you live here now? Because as we are living our life here now, we are bringing to earth those things that are in heaven, like building the tabernacle. When we're building the tabernacle, you are literally, as it is, you are literally bringing his presence here. And so this is what it means by focus your mind on things above. In other words, focus your mind on the eternal things because everything here is going to end up going away. But that doesn't mean you, you, that you cease to live and exist here now. We focus on the things above so that the things above can be manifest in the things around them. Okay? All right. 
Colossians 3.12. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves in tender compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving each other. If anyone has a grievance against another, just as the Lord pardoned you, so also you must pardon others. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfect harmony. Verse 15. Let the shalom of the Messiah rule in your hearts. To this shalom you were surely called in one body, and also be thankful. Let the word of Messiah dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another with all wisdom, in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with gratitude in your hearts towards God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Yeshua, giving thanks to the God the Father through. So everything that we're doing here, it's to help show his heart here. We want to live for him, then let's do it. Let, let's let our life and our hearts be examples of that. The world is hurting. The world is lost. The world is dying. The world has an identity crisis because Yahweh's calling them to, be, to partake in his identity. And when we turn away from him, we're at the mercy of, every, of, of every, everything. We need to pursue the Father. And so as we do that, then we start to learn who he's called us to be. How everything was created to be. Everything was created, you know, with Adam in the garden, right? If you read the scripture, you'll see that everything is going to go full circle. Ultimately, like the new heaven, the new Jerusalem, the, the, the point of that is back in fellowship with the one who created you. That's where we started. That's where we're going to end up, right? So we're going full circle. How do we do that in the, mid, in the middle of that, in that in-between process? It's here. It's now. And that's what we're learning, okay? All right, Philippians 4, 4 through 9, Tracy's favorite grouping of scriptures. I'm not kidding, it is. Ask her. Philippians 4, 4 through 9. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Why would he repeat it? Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. Why would he repeat it? Um, let your gentleness be shown to all people, especially on Facebook. I think, I think that depends on which translation you're reading. Okay. <laughs> let your gentleness be known to all people. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the shalom of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Messiah Yeshua. Verse 8. Finally, brothers and sisters. So what does that mean, finally? It's like when, it's like when you're and in closing. Oh, okay. You back in attention, right? <laughs> so finally, if you ain't got nothing else, let's get this, right? So finally, this is what he says. Finally, whatever is what? True. Whatever is honorable. Whatever is just. Whatever is pure. Whatever is lovely. Whatever is commendable if there is any virtue if there is anything worthy of prayer dwell on these things so what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me put these into practice and the god of shalom will be with you so what he's saying is where you focus your mind where you set your heart where you put your intent and your thoughts this affects who you are this affects how you do things every day this affects the life around you it's proven where you focus your mind and what you, what you continue to dwell on, and let me put it this way, obsess over, will affect your day, affect how you treat others as well, right? But if we keep our minds on the things that are good, on the things that are pure, on the things that are commendable, I'm just going to put it flat out this way. It's going to be hard to have a bad day because <laughs> it doesn't matter what's happened. You're not focused on that. You're focused on these things, right? So these are the things where we turn our heart, where we turn our focus, where we put our intent is, is on these things. And if we do that, it's going to go well for us. We're going to see more blessings around us than we're going to see everything gone wrong, right? Where do we put, what, what are we looking? You ever notice, whatever you're looking for, you're going to find. 
So what are we looking for? Are we looking to tear down? Are we looking to build up? Are we looking to bless? Are we looking to... These are the things we need to pay attention to. Okay. So as they're building the Mishkan, they're literally building a representation of on earth as it is in heaven. We address this. So are we preparing our hearts for his presence? If we set our hearts to draw close to Yahweh, he says he will draw close to us, right? He says, if you search for me, I will be found, right? He says that if we repent, he will be there, right? Okay. So this could be even as simple as where two or more are gathered or as complex as literally building a tabernacle or even the temple and everywhere in between. See, if we turn and prepare our hearts to meet with him, he says he's. So where's our responsibility? Are we going to build the kingdom? Where? At what point do we want the kingdom to stop? Think about this for a second. Are we going to try to help build the kingdom wherever we are, wherever we go? Or are we going to say, I just want the kingdom, the kingdom to be built just around the, my property, just right there. I don't want any, nowhere else, just my property. Or do we want his kingdom to be manifest in the earth? Then we need to be a part of building his kingdom wherever we're at. We have a responsibility. We've got a job to do. Okay? So look at this. Who gave for the tabernacle? It's important. It's important to know who gave for the tabernacle. Now, you may have heard all Israel gave for the tabernacle, right? If you're talking about the context of the half shekel, you would be right. Outside of that, it doesn't say that. It doesn't say all Israel gave for this. If you read the scripture, it says that Moses put the need in front of the people. He said, these are the things that we're going to need. And then as you read further on a few chapters later, it says that the whole community, the people of Israel withdrew from Moses. They went back to their homes, temporary homes as it was, but they went back to their homes, looked around, talked about it. What are we going to do? Then they came back. But who was they? It doesn't say the whole community came and, and back, came back and brought back stuff, did it? It doesn't say the whole community. Who is it? Then they came. Because it, puts, it now puts a definition on who the they is. Who's the they? Those whose hearts stirred them. It doesn't say that the whole community was stirred to do it. It says those whose hearts stirred them came back. So that's the question. What stirs our heart? And that will tell us where we're really at in our relationship with the Father. What stirs our heart? Is it things of him? Is, is, it, is it wanting to see these things in the earth? Is it wanting to prepare this? Is it helping to, to, to get the word out there? Is it helping to set the captives free? Is it helping to, to have a, a life worth living? What stirs our heart? Let's read Exodus 35, 20 to 22. It says, So then the whole community, the people of Israel, withdrew from Moshe's presence, and they came. Who's the they? Everyone whose heart stirred him, and everyone, look at this, whose spirit made him what? Willing. Notice this. Guys, this was not by force. This was not by coercion. This was not, let's bring the worship team up and sing just as I am 35 times. This was done. Guys, this is, what, this is what's done. Now it's up to you, right? Are, are we willing to put ourselves in a place of actually living it here and outside of here? That's where it's important. So, and so they brought Adonai's offering for the work, for the tent of meeting, for the service in it, and for the holy garments. Both men and women came. Notice, I want that to, to be noticed as well. Men and women came. Yeah, guess what? Oh, women can serve Yahweh too? Absolutely. Men and women came, as many as had willing hearts. So what was the, what was the condition? Those whose hearts were willing. And then they brought the, uh, the nose rings, the earrings, the signet rings. I hope they cleaned them first. The belts, all kinds of jewelry. Everyone bringing the offering of, of Lord to Adonai. First Chronicles, we see something similar. First Chronicles 29, it says, The people were filled with joy because they had given willingly, wholeheartedly. They had given willingly to Adonai. And David, the king, too, was completely filled with joy as he blessed Adonai before the entire community. He said, Blessed be you, Adonai, the God of Israel, the Father forever. So what happened with the people? Willing hearts. Willing hearts are the ones who gave. And, and 
what do we see in this as well? Look at 2 Corinthians 9.7. Let each one give as what? As they, are, as they are told by somebody else to do so? No, what's it say? As each has decided in his heart. Not grudgingly or under compulsion, because God loves a cheerful giver. If you're resenting giving it, does God bless the offering? If you're, bring, like if you're bringing an offering to the tabernacle, and you're bringing, let's just say, a guilt offering, but you don't think you were guilty, and you don't see why you have to do this, here's the offering, take it. Is God going to bless that? Again, and, 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 and I want to make the point clear, I'm not just talking about your money, guys. I'm talking about you, because you're more important than your money. I'm talking about everything about I'm talking about your heart. I'm talking about your life. I'm talking about your family. I'm talking about your job. I'm talking about your skills. I'm talking about your knowledge. I'm talking about your wisdom and talking. I'm talking about everything. Not just the, God wants all of you. Not just, okay? So let's, let's, get, let's get past. So again, give not grudgingly or under compulsion. Because God loves the giver. Exodus 30. So see Yahweh is called by name whom? Boy, consider this. Can you imagine being in the midst of the community of Israel and God calls you out by name? Moshe, yes, Lord. I want to see Bezalel over here. Can you imagine him being out there in the midst of the camp going, uh, what did I do? Right? Called to the principal's office. Right? That didn't always end up being a good thing, did it? But what happens? God called out by name. See, he says he knows you by name. He can call you out for something specific if he wants to. The question is, are you going to answer, Jonah? <laughs> are you, are you, what are you going to do with it? Right? Okay. So he called out Bezalel and Aholiath. Interesting he called out these two men. You know, um, it's not given here in the scripture, but there's a lot of thought that Bezalel was 13 at the time that God called him to be the foreman of building the tabernacle. Think about this. Can you imagine? Here, here, let's, let's just say, here you are, however old you are, and God says, I'm going to put this 13-year-old in charge of building the tabernacle, and you're going to listen to him. How many of you would go, I could tell him a thing or two? How many of you would be like that? Be honest. But God has a point to make. He can equip you, whoever, wherever you're at. When he called the prophets, didn't he say, don't let the people despise you because of your age? He said, listen, right? So again, what are we looking at? So he's called Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, from the tribe of Judah. And he has, look at this, filled him with the spirit of God, skill and intelligence with knowledge and all craftsmanship. And he has inspired him to teach and he has filled them with skill to do every sort of work. So he called him and equipped him for what he called him for. How many of you have said, God kind of impresses you, this is what I want you to do, and you're like, I don't know how to do that. Good. That means he's going to teach you. And it means you have to rely on him. It means you're going to have to listen constantly. That's not a bad thing. That's, that, that helps us. So he called out these men, Bezalel and Aholiab. Because Bezalel means in the shadow of God. Bezalel. And then Aholiab means the tent of his father. Nice, isn't it? This word, this word for Bezalel, Zel. It's also the same root word and the word that's used where it says God made man in his own image. Believe, I believe the Hebrew word is tzalim that's given there. I could be wrong on that, but that's the word that I believe it is if I'm recalling from memory, which isn't always right. But, uh, but the word is to be made in his image, to be in his shadow, to be a representation of him, to be that close. To. And so the idea of the tent of our father, have relationship, to be in his image, right? Psalm 91 is what I'm thinking, right? Abiding in the shadow of the Almighty. So Exodus 36. So Moshe summoned Bezalel, Oholiav, and every craftsman who Adonai has given wisdom, everyone who's what? Everyone whose heart stirred him to come and take part of the work. God didn't say, I'm going to get you guys, you guys, you guys, and you guys, and then have these people over here not want to do it. See that? 
Because, again, is God going to bless that offering if you're grudgingly doing it the whole time? Because if you're doing that, you ever see somebody who just, they don't like their job, they hate it, they don't like being there, and buddy, everybody knows it, right? What kind of a blessing is that? And that affects the other people around, doesn't it? But if you're doing it and you have joy and it's a blessing and this is what God has given me, it's going to be a blessing to those around you as well. And that's what he's saying here, especially when we're working on his house, especially when we're trying to build the kingdom, you know, build each other, especially when we're trying to lift each other up. How we do that, it affects us and others, right? So this is what we're looking at. We, everyone whose heart stirred him to do that. We learn that God will not dwell in a divided house, right? He won't dwell in a, in a divided house. 2 Corinthians 6.16, what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God. See that? He's saying he wants to live in you, but if you're not wholeheartedly in, I'm not saying perfect. I'm saying wholeheartedly in because if we, we make mistakes. Scripture says if we, if we fall, we have an advocate that goes to the Father for us. There is forgiveness for sins. There is atonement here. I'm not saying you've got to be absolutely perfect and never make a mistake. What I'm saying is if we're all in, Lord, I'm yours, good, bad, ugly, here I am, and when I make a mistake, I'm going to ask for forgiveness, but I'm going to keep going, right? So, we are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will make my dwelling among them, and I will walk among them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Therefore, go out from their midst, be separate from them, says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing, and I will welcome you. And I will be a father to you, and you shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. So, uh, continuing, Matthew 12:25. Knowing their thoughts, he said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself is laid waste, and no city or house divided against itself will stand. Psalm 133, 1, he right? How good and pleasant it is for brothers to dwell together in unity. The problem is, when we get to a place where we say, what is unity? We think we have to do, say, think everything exactly the way that I want it done. That means unity, and that's not it. Unity means we're our own individuals, we're our own, own people, we think differently, we have our own personalities, but guess what? There's something bigger than us, and we're coming together for that purpose. That's unity. When, when everything else pales in comparison, we want this. What do we want more than anything else? The presence of the Most High in our lives. That's unity, okay? That's what we're looking for. All right, uh, Matthew 18, 19 and 20. Again, I say to you that uh, if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything, they, they shall ask, and it shall be done for them for, of my Father which is in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of them. Again, if we're coming together to seek him and desire what he is wanting, that's where that focus is going to be. We don't have to agree on every point, guys. Dare I say, nor will we ever. If you find someone who, who like agrees with you on every single thing, run. They're lying. We have differences, but how do we handle them? That's where God is going, right? So as we do this, we're learning to come together and learning to come into a place together. Jose, it's stopped working back. So Psalm 119, 1 through 3. It says, Blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the Torah of Adonai. Whose way is blameless, who what? Walks in the Torah of Adonai. Verse 2, happy are those who keep his testament, who seek him with a whole heart. How do we seek him? Just said it, with a whole heart. Verse, uh, Psalm 119.3, who also do no injustice, but walk in his way. How do we do no injustice? Walk in his ways. How do we learn that? Just open the book and read. He sh he'll show it to you. Just take it a step at a time. Jeremiah 24, 7. says that I will give him a heart to know me. Notice he didn't say I'll give him a heart to just be theologically correct or have their doctrine perfect. He says they'll have the heart to know me. For I am Adonai, and they will be my people, and I will be their God, and they will return to me with their whole heart. The point of all this is keep focus. Don't give up. Keep focus. Focus on Yahweh. Focus on his heart. Focus on the things that he desires. 
that will keep us going. That will keep us moving. That will keep us centered on how we live this life with hope. How we live is to honor Him. 1 Corinthians 9.24 Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you will obtain it. you got to finish the race. Don't stop short. Galatians 6.9 says, Let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we don't give up. Life gets hard. Don't stop. We might need to rest at times. That's okay. You're allowed. But keep going. Take the rest you need and keep going. Don't give up. Philippians 1.6 says, And I am sure of this, that the one who began a good work among you will keep it growing until it is completed on the day of Messiah. How, how do we know that we'll finish? Because God is faithful. Isn't it amazing that it's really not relying on us? The only thing we have to do is keep looking at Him. He's faithful. As long as we keep our eyes on Him, He'll show us. He doesn't want you out here in a free fall. He wants you following Him. So keep your eyes on Him. And that way we can learn to do First 1 Corinthians 16, 13. Be watchful. Stand firm in the faith. Like God says this. Act like men. Be men, right? Let all that you do be done in love. That's what we're, that's what we're doing, guys. Yahweh is calling people to stand up, be strong, but let it be done in the love that He has given. Joshua 1, 7 and 9. We'll end with this. Only be strong and very courageous. Not just strong and courageous. Be strong and very courageous. Being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law, this Torah, shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous. Then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. For Yahweh your God is with you where? Wherever. Yahweh your God, is, He will not leave you. He will not forsake you. How can He say this with all surety? Because if we're following Him, guess what, guys? We are where He is. He says, I will never leave you or forsake you. Here's my hand. Walk with me. Let's do that. Let's do that. Let's, let's be about His business. And as living stones, <laughs> living stones have to be willing to be put where Yahweh wants them. If a stone just lays there, what's it going to build? Nothing. If you take a whole bunch of stones and just throw them in a heap in the corner, what does it build? Nothing. But if you take those same stones in the hand of a craftsman, Yahweh, and let him put them where they belong, they can build some of his glory. The temple, the altar, anything. That's us. A place for him. Amen.